0: Chicas, chicos, hello and welcome—a very warm welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, spreading and sharing the supreme delight of this wonderful and fast-growing game. I'm your host, Minter Dial, and this podcast is brought to you by Paddle 1969, the largest manufacturer of premium paddle courts. One court for life by Paddle 1969. The Joy of Paddle is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information about the network, go ahead and check out evergreenpodcast.com So this is the inaugural season of the Joy of Paddle podcast. And to start with, we're going to do an episode once every fortnight. Episodes will drop every other Wednesday at 12 noon London time. Please let us know what you think about the show by putting up a rating and review. So this first episode is a special one in that it's with my father and my brother William, with whom I spent many a fabulous hour playing, laughing and sweating on a paddle court over the years. My father has a legitimate claim to be one of the first ever paddle players as he played on the very first Corcuera court in Acapulco, as you'll find out. And my brother William, among other family members who love to play paddle, is a far better player than I am based out of Madrid. Please enjoy. Game on. Vamos and the joy of paddle. Welcome my father and my brother. So. We are a paddle tennis family, bona fide paddle tennis family, and uh, so I wanted to invite both of you to to talk about your trip, your route to paddle. So, Pa, let's start with you, as you're the doyen of the family and the doyen of our origins into paddle. What was your route into paddle?
1: Well, through tennis, of course, and um, I used to go to Marbella, lovely place, and. There were there weren't even many tennis courts in those days in Marbella, let alone paddle tennis courts. And the one tennis court that we sort of was nearby was at the Marbella Club, and it was a tile, tile The surface was tile, and there was a slight uh, sort of bubble bubble in the way the tile was loneso for draining. It was a pretty pathetic court, and uh, that didn't have a it didn't have a net; it had a string. So he you, you was never sure where the ball was over or under the net, the so-called net. But it was very primitive. And so basically, we, we we ignored it. And then Alfonso came one day. The Prince Alfonso was the president, owner of the Marbella Club, who had just returned from um, a trip to Acapulco. And full of enthusiasm, had taken the measurements of a, what he felt would be a better game to have at the Marbella Club than the tennis, which no one played there. And so he built this uh, tennis court, or uh, we didn't know what to call it, actually, this court that became a paddle tennis court, on the grounds of the Marbella, on the grounds of the, on the back of the former tennis court. And that was in 1974. It was a pretty strange looking thing, and uh, we, no one knew quite what it was supposed to do. But then Alfonso showed us these rackets and little wooden rackets that no one had seen before. and I don't know where they came from, but he had them. And he started showing it around. And that's how one day uh, one of my friends pointed me in the direction, you ought to try that. And I was a little skeptical at first, but I finally came around. And, of course, the rest is history.
0: So who did you play with? I mean, at the Marbella Club, is a very exclusive club. Were there other people you got to play with or did you have to scramble and scrounge as we have sometimes today to find a good, good team?
1: Well, Alfonso had a wide circle of friends and he was a great promoter of whatever he was promoting. If he was, and if he decided he wanted to promote paddle tennis, then he knew who to go to and he'd he'd organize groups to come out and play his pals. And some of them were pretty well, were well known. So that would draw a crowd a little bit. And so They'd talk about it and with among their friends, and that's how it sort of got going. And I, I suppose that I waited probably a year from the first uh, time I saw the court until I actually stepped on a court and took a rattle in my hand. But once I did that, and once I found out how how much fun it was, nothing could stop me, and uh, I just dropped tennis and, and, uh, and took up paddle. I wasn't You're- very good, but uh, I had fun.
0: You also had a very famous ball boy, as far as I recall.
1: Well, there was a wonderful, there was a wonderful young kid that uh, Alfonso got to manage the, the uh, the use of the sign up for his t- time on the court. You have towels uh, for the, the guests of the club who played there and have water and so on. And he was about twelve years old and he was very little and um, but he was a nice kid and. And uh, so when we needed a court, he'd be the guy. And uh, but at the end of the game, completely exhausted, we would leave the court and there'd be there'd be Luisito sort of looking forlorn. And one time I asked him, hey, let's you and I hit some balls after the game. And so he, he gave him one of my rackets and he started hitting. He could hit it. He obviously had been doing some practicing in, in the off hours. And so he it. is enthusiastic and so I made a point frequently of asking him to play if I could but sometimes I couldn't because he was so exhausted but that's how we became friends and stayed friends until a very long time
0: and that, of course Luisito Nieto he becomes uh, the manager owner I think of of the uh, club in, in San Pedro de Alcántara Exactly So what about you William you are my younger brother son of Victor. What was your route to paddle? Do you recall the beginning of your paddle days? Um,
2: Well, it was much later, of course, than than that. But um, yeah, in Saint-Tropez, at the time, there was no paddle club. So the only way you could play was uh, in private courts. And in Saint-Tropez, my uncle Olivier had a paddle court in his house. um, And some friends of her, her father had two. And I guess I saw pictures of me playing much younger than I can remember.
0: <laughs> Isn't that true? So, uh, <laughs> Thank goodness for photographs.
2: At the time, yeah. You had printed photographs. Now it's everything digitalized. But uh, at the time, yeah, you, I saw many pictures of me playing.
0: Well, and and it's so cute to see you, of course, for me, when you were that small, you are a toehead, really very cute small little boy the racket you know almost half your size and of course you have turned into something of a different kind of paddle player and man for for both of you um when you look back at that very beginning of paddle you obviously were in the very beginning of things and to think of Olivier's court William it was a very different type of paddle court than it is today can you describe Olivier's paddle court
2: yeah, well, it was uh, <clears throat> concrete walls all around. Um, the fences were like not the same as today. Um, and we're, at the time, when I was little, we were playing paddle with the rules of ping pong. So we're doing first to 21 and we're hmm. changing curve every two, every two serves. And there were no really rules, uh, every house had its own rules. And we we're kind of trying to have fun. And I remember Olivier had. Um, I think my first racket was a, a racket was called with Ridden Ice on it. Uh, and and then he was taking those rackets coming from the states. I remember one was called the Sorba Plus, which was the best one. Everyone was fighting to get that racket.
0: <laughs> yeah, but- the super special 450 gram. Racket. Exactly,
2: and everyone wanted that dragon. We thought that if we were playing with this one, we'd never lose. Um, but nothing to do. The rackets were much heavier. You um, know, same control. Courts, nothing to do. The, there was no, um, you know, it was hard court, uh, concrete walls, uh, very very warm. <laughs> we're sweating a lot more than with the window classes.
0: And uh, but you know, it came through till now. You're playing in those, those walls, of course, to confine the heat. And Pa, the other thing that's important to recall is that you actually went to Acapulco. And so yeah. you have actually played on the original, original paddle courts. Tell us about that experience.
1: Well, that was a great experience. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was in 1984, so it was 10 years after its first appearance in Marbella and I'd been playing during those 10 years. and You become good and I gave a little better anyway and um and uh, I went on a trip invited by a friend who incidentally just passed away a couple of days ago and um he, we stayed at his house where uh and got to know went to a party with the next door neighbor a guy named Ricky De Portanova and his wife uh, Samantha and um and they had a paddle tennis court, which I, likes of which I've never seen before and probably still doesn't exist anywhere. It was an outside court, of course. There was, a, there was a tent, sort of a structure in case of um, extreme uh, sunshine. And it was lighted at night by clee lights that you normally associate with films, film. so there's a very, very bright light. It was like being daylight in the court. And uh, the, 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 the um, seating beside the court was in a sort of a covered area with leather, expensive leather uh, furniture, with um, waiters waiting in black tie in air conditioned. This was air, con- even if it was open, it was air conditioned so that the people watching the match could not be uh, too overly warm. And um, We'd have these games that were fun, and, um, and I one time was invited to play with the partner of Henry Kissinger, which was a big thrill for me because I was quite a fan of his, and um, and uh, he he took a he he seemed to enjoy playing with me, and so he'd call me up. He was on vacation nearby, and he'd call me up and says, "Victor, do you want to play today?" And I had this German accent and. And um, I'd say, yes. And he, I, I said, to him, by the way, Henry, you've got a lot of people like to play with you, but you seem to like to play with me. Why is that? He says, because I want to win. <laughs> and he had this German accent, and um, and it was really funny. then uh, these women would come and watch him because he was a very, he wasn't particularly beautiful, but he was seductive by his brain and his uh, charm. And the, the women flocked to him. It was really something to see. And uh, they just abandoned me. I thought I was not too bad, but they totally abandoned. Didn't pay attention to me at all. And uh, just sat around and listened to Henry telling his stories about his career and parts of his life. He was a very interesting man. So that's uh, sort of my my first big partner.
0: Well, let's say that that is the joy of paddle being lived. All right. So, William. You you are a great player. I've played with you a number of times. Uh, you have great touch, you have a, a huge amount of power. How would you describe yourself as a player? What animal would you use to describe William the paddle player? I would like to
2: think a lion.
0: <laughs> um, yeah,. Why a lion? Why, a, so- lion? Why a, a female lion or a male lion? Well, I hope a male. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, because I'm quite
2: aggressive on the court, meaning uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an offensive player. Uh, I like to more likely being on the net and block uh, the shots and keep being offensive rather than be defensive. So for that, you need to be quite quick, reactive, uh, read the game because it's obviously... Uh, more tricky you can be tricked by some shots or so you got to be very uh,
0: reactive love it pa what about you what animal are you as a paddle player
1: well there's the animal i am and there's the animal i'd like to be <laughs> <laughs> i'd say I'd, 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 I'd be a fox why well, I fox. I'm a little bit sneaky and uh, and try to fool my opponent into thinking it's going one way and then taking him the other way. So I try to be deceptive. Love it. And then uh, uh, sort of be deceptive. I sort of got to deploy ruses to get his attention elsewhere. I, I'm not quite sure why, but uh,
0: well, anyway. I you haven't you haven't been playing so much, of course, these days. But do you recall what was your favorite shot? Yes,
1: definitely. Uh, in the old days, the walls were very, very thick cement though outside the court. And there was also a wire part of the sidewall, particularly. And there was always, uh, there was never exactly a smooth surface. So there was a little ledge that sort of formed like a vertical going up and down the wall where the, the wire was joined to the cement. And that was a little space, maybe one inch, maybe sometimes a little more. And if you hit the ball into that place on the side wall where the net where the net and, the, and the, the wire net and the cement joined, you didn't know where the ball was going to bounce out. It could bounce out straight or it could bounce out sideways. And so that was a really great shot to be able to pull off. It's hard to do, but it's a great shot, and it's it almost always a winner.
0: It reminds me of the tambour in uh, real tennis. Yeah, it, sort of... which today in in paddle it doesn't happen, but it's called the el pico in in paddle today. It's uh-huh. much less pronounced, but yeah. you still want to catch that moment between the glass and the and the wiring. Because right. right in there, you don't know which way it's going to go.
1: That's right. That was fun. That was fun. And when you hit it, then that it was really a great feeling.
0: Because well, back in your day, at least,
1: the when you hit
0: that spot and it, and it caught the wall, it could even come backwards towards yes. the net.
1: Yes, yes. I, yes. I remember. Brilliant job! It was a brilliant job.
0: Love it, William. What about you? I would say the por-
2: portress, to smash smash it out of the court. Portress,
0: the one that goes back wall and out by the three-meter wall. Exactly. Um,
2: You know, I've been playing more tennis than paddle, so, you know, smash is an important shot. And uh, as I'm, I think, quite powerful, sometimes sometimes it works.
0: (laughs) I can confirm. You certainly are. William, what about, how about which shot would you like to improve on and why? I mean, you're a very accomplished player, but which ones do you think of, huh, this is one I could do better on?
2: Well, there is one definitely shot I need to improve is the bandeja, mm. um, which is not a natural shot when you're a tennis player uh, and very important when you play paddle. Uh, I was part of a tournament uh, last week and the uh, number 50 in the world uh, came and played an amateur uh, tournament. And it was just so impressive to see him playing and he was playing with uh, a guy that had no clue and he was going to take all his balls, and he had such a good bandeja. Uh, um, you know, I, I always tried I always tried to take the ball uh, as soon as possible when it goes up in the air, so I don't let it, you know, come down in order to take the bandeja. Um, so sometimes, you know, I just try to hit it on the fence slowly, but the, the bandeja makes much more damage in the opponent game. So um, definitely the
0: Mandeja. Yeah, so you don't let it come down to your shoulder level. You kind of hit it a little higher. Exactly. Which means it's going to bounce up a little bit more. Got exactly. it. Love it. All right, Paul, what about you? What If you think back to your career on the paddle court, what's the funniest thing that ever happened to you on a paddle court?
1: Well, I, maybe I could do this. I go back to the match with Kissinger. And um, I was running all around trying to get the balls back. And Kissinger, uh, at one point, uh, he was trying to get us stay out of the way. He was trying to leave the coast clear for me to win the point. And one time, he wasn't able to get out of the way fast enough. And the ball came and hit him right in the stomach. I cut it off. Classic. And he said, he looked up and he said, oh, he said, that's the best shot I've made all day. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good remark. work.
0: It's cute. Yeah, of course we we try to get out of those ball, out of the way of those balls. Not so easy. Hey w- William, what about you? Do you have a funny shot that you can recall?
2: Uh well, sometimes you got some very funny shots because uh when you hit a let or uh, when you have to do a smash and you just hit it very hard and just hit lead and then make funny, you go on the, uh, you know, you gotta get. There's plenty of very funny moments. Or so when you when you hit a, a smash and you don't hit it perfectly and it just bounces on the fence on top of the wall and not hitting the wall, then he has yeah. all those funny uh, bounces and you have no clue where the ball goes. Sometimes it's very good, sometimes very bad. It just comes back easy for the opponent. So you have all those. Fun shots that makes panels so entertaining.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, William, it feels like when you do, when you have those shots that that happened, you you. I feel all of a sudden the humility because you can't master that shot, and you get stuck, and you get it's a little awkward.
2: Exactly that. Uh, that's uh, I think those shots that makes paddle so funny because you don't control everything and all those bounces can go anywhere and and now we play with uh, golden points at forty all so you know uh, one missed shot so it just can change all the course of the set.
0: Yeah, it's like that little one little shot, one little thing can absolutely yeah. change the direction, or a a right, reflex, so, or reflex, and so few William. Uh, in the in the paddle you've been playing now for over 30 years right um ha, what would what be the life lesson that paddle has brought to you it's never over
2: sometime you know in tennis uh when you have a smash well point is over and 95 percent of the time um and and paddle you always have a chance to just need to go for it uh even if someone hits a smash portress, which is getting out of the court, you can still run out of the court and get it back. Or when you hit the fence, you can have a, a bounce that, is, that helps you and not against you. So no matter how desperate the situation is, there's always a way to, to, to,
0: to get back in the point and just never surrender. I love it. It is never over. Pa, what about you? What's the life lesson that paddle brought to you?
1: Well, um, I was thinking about the fact that when those early days of the paddle, we were so excited about it, and there were, I remember we used to sit around and say, "How can we make money out of this? How could this is such a fun game? How is it? How how can we?" get it on television or get it promoted. Uh, not so much on television. because There wasn't that prompt problem in those days, but it would do, do stuff to make paddle tennis game better known and more popular. And by the way, then this would get a lot of the uh, sort of expatriate players and those who were looking for jobs, um, give them something to keep them going while they're in between games. And um and, of course, we we just sat around for hours and hours chewing this fat and how to do it and how to do it. And there was no – the glass courts are what finally did it. That's what finally opened up battle, really, to the grand public and the television and the tournaments that you can go and see. But when you only had a few, few meters of space available to, to watch a match, it, didn't, it was hard to draw a crowd. But now, of course, it's really, it's taking off. And I'm so glad it took a long time, but it's finally taking off.
0: Beautiful. And, all right, let's finish with one question, which is, is there any other sport that equals paddle in your mind, either to play or to watch? Pa?
1: Well, this is, to my my mind, it's the best of all the rocket sports. Really the best. And it kills me to see this pickleball that I've been watching in the United States now, which, which just seems to be trying to, to to do what the paddle tries to do, but the pickleball is just not in the same league. And um, so I'm just out and out promoting uh, our paddle tennis. Um, and uh, long may it live.
0: Amen. William, what about you?
2: I think it's just a perfect game between tennis and, and squash. Um, because Two games you, have- you play well. I do like to play squash as well. But I mean, it's really the, the in-between because you've got some squash shot. I mean, when the ball is very low and bounces on the window and you got to take it back and try to do a lob, you need to change your wrist uh, and, 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 and do as a squash shot. So it's really the... The, the, it's, and the glass windows as well It's much easier to, to, to see, to watch. And you have those points that are very impressive when you look on on YouTube's the, the the highlights of uh, all the pros playing all over.
0: I mean, it's, it's very nice. We have fun watching it. Enjoy it. I certainly do too. Hey, you guys! Thank you for coming on the Joy of Paddle podcast. A last word for your word on paddle. Pa.
1: Minner, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a promoter of this sport that we all love. And I love having my children following in my illustrious field of uh, footsteps.
0: Hey, William. Having
1: fun with paddle. It's really a great thing. I love it. Love watching you and seeing you and talking to you.
0: Brilliant. And William, what about you? Well, I have a question for you now. (laughs)
2: Um, uh, you, Minter, how how did you start into Paddle and be so passionate? I know you came from tennis, but how
0: did, did all the thing came up? Well, so I, I'm going to tell you about why I've launched Joy, Joy of Paddle. And, uh, of course, there's a little bit of a hint to another book that was rather famous a long time ago. But what I think society is missing is reasons to commune, to get together, and it's a great sport. And I love the professional paddle league that's been launched in America because it has mixed doubles. And so you you can see that it's a very social sport. People talk during the point. It I feel like a game is half done if I don't have a cerveza, a beer, after the game. It's um, You play with a smile as opposed to tennis where you play with a grunt. And, and squash, you play with a, uh, you know, you're <laughs> about to die on a squash court. Just for some reason, brings a smile to my face. And that's what I want to share and spread. Wonderful, matter Thank you. So I hope you've enjoyed this Joy of Paddle episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to be the first in queue for the next episode. And if you like what you hear, please do share around with other paddle aficionados. This is a sport that deserves to be played by absolutely everyone. And if you've got a story that you'd like to share, please send me an email or a better yet, a voice note at nmintadial at gmail.com. With that, vamos.
2: Get ready race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel
1: your passion for
2: NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform, or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us launching in the fall on evergreen podcast network follow us on social media at hitpass underscore nascar to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast